Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is David opposing a Matrix. Tonight we have an exciting night for you. It's a threesome here. It's uh, me and Brian as as usual, and we have as a special guest Gordy Tong. We've had Gordy on the show before, and uh, Gordy is a source of information. Um, once once the show is over tonight, you're going to have to listen once or you know two or three times because there's. I just got a feeling it's going to be so impactful and so intense that. Um, you know, you'll just want to listen to it more than once. Um, I, I know I do when Gordy's on because I, I just like to absorb everything that, that is said. And, and he's an excellent presenter. And uh, we are always welcome to have him on the show. So um, before I explain what happened next week, let me uh, go ahead and introduce and say, hey, hey, Gordy. Hey, Brian. Hi, I'm here. This is Gordy. And we got a hi. Hey, for hi Brian. guys. Hey, Brian. How you doing, buddy? Hi. <laughs> okay. <good. laughs> we um we had an interesting um I'm not going to go into too many details about last Monday folks because I don't think some of it would be proper but um uh we had a, a presenter who was going to be on and um when I read what they were going to present I said no this is just too and and for me to say this is too far out and and not right is you know it's 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 definitely a, a milestone um but uh, so I, I wrote to the party and I said, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea right now. I think maybe we should hash it over before we go on and and I'm canceling it. And um, it's funny because right after I sent that, I was thinking maybe I should reverse my decision and and go ahead and, and we'll have the show, you know. And and just about then uh, the lights went out. We had a one heck of a front blow through here uh with high winds and the lights went out for approximately two hours, I guess. And, uh, that is the, the, uh, time slot that we're allotted, uh, for the show. So, um, you know, it was almost like God's way of saying, uh, no, you're not going to think this over and rehash it. I'm not, I'm not going to allow this to happen. And, uh, so anyway, you know, that's, that's a speculation of course, but, uh, you know, what the heck, but, um, so anyway, uh, like I said, we've had Gordy on before, and, and we've had some very interesting uh, talks with him. And uh, uh, just before the show, we were talking about uh, people disappearances, um, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of what, what the, the talk is going to be about tonight. About We're talking about uh, using the correct name of Jesus, um, and, and we'll go into that further in, in depth. And uh, and uh, if I didn't say it already, disappearances in, in natural parks and also in places up in Canada and other areas where there's been Bigfoot sightings and stuff. And and um, but uh, Gordy is 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 going to go into that, and I think it's going to be incredible. And Brian's going to share. I I know he is. Uh, that's cool because we he has had a lot of experience with uh, deliverance and and, uh, and that subject matter, which is a fantastic subject matter that. Um, uh, and also a reality too, just like what Gordy's going to share. And, um, and it's something that, uh, some people, very few people are called into. And, uh, and, uh, so, you know, Brian will, will share a little bit about that or a lot about that, whatever his heart or the Lord leads him to do. And, um, but anyway, uh, so anyway, Gordy, um, well, if you would just kind of uh, give us an introduction, I know you have before, and, 
And, um, and toward the end, or maybe anytime you feel led to, uh, maybe at the beginning, it'd be a better idea before it slips our mind, but I, I'd like people to have your contact information and, uh, how they, how they can get a hold of you because, uh, there's going to be people that listen to this that are going to want to get a hold of you. Okay. I'll be happy to give that information now, uh, I guess, um, uh, later. Okay. Uh, uh, where would you like to start? Um, maybe a bit about my background. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it about your background. Tell us about you, Gordy. Okay, I was not brought up as a Christian. Um, uh, my parents were not Christians, uh, but uh, I joined um, a Cub Scout group uh, and later scouting. And some of my uh, Cub masters and Scout masters were Christians, so uh, they encouraged me to go to church. So I started to hear a little bit about Christ and and the gospel when I went to this uh, Lutheran church. And, but I wasn't really a Christian. You know, I, I went to church, uh, didn't really know the Lord. Uh, but when I was at university in my uh, second or third year, I, I met someone who was giving out David Wilkerson's book, The Cross and the Switchblade. Oh, yeah. And I got a copy of the book. And, you know, uh, as a young person, I, I did believe that God did exist, but God seemed to be very far away and personal to me. And I couldn't relate to a God that seemed to be so far away. So, or, but after reading this book, uh, by David Wilkerson, uh, it's a story about a young uh, minister who had a call, uh, to go to New York City to work among gang leaders, prostitutes, drug addicts. And he was getting God's guidance to do that. I mean, he was getting, he was making sure that God really wanted him to go and he, he got the, the peace of God and, um, you know, uh, various things he realized that, yeah, God really wanted him to go. And he was getting quite a bit of success with some of these people, like one gang member, a gang fellow, Nicky Cruz, became a born-again Christian. And there were other people that were being delivered from lives of crime and drugs and so on. I said, wow, if God is a God like that and he, he cares for people and he can answer people's lives and deliver people from evil, well, that's the kind of God I want to know more about. So eventually I found some fellowship in Vancouver where people, you know, did have a sense that God was real and the presence of God was was apparent when you went to these churches. And so that was kind of the beginning of my Christian walk. Well, that's the... Wow. Yeah. Um, but how did I get involved with the paranormal <laughs> and, and trying to counsel people? And, well... I guess I'd have to go back to my brother. My brother was kind of a new ager. He was, before the term new age was popular, he was already involved with the new age. And he, he started to go to, to, uh, various gatherings and churches, uh, new age type churches, like, uh, the Church of the New Jerusalem is a church started by Emmanuel Swedenberg or his followers. And he was a spiritualist. He was a spiritualist mystic. And so, and then my brother uh, invited me also to, um, to hear, uh, some speakers at what was back then called the Flying Saucer Club. <laughs> <laughs> interesting name. I mean, that fits the 1950s or whatever. Right. Right. But, uh, so I went to a few of those meetings. I heard some of the contactees speak at conferences and, and it was interesting, but, you know, I wasn't that, you know, I wasn't convinced that all this was was true. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't, at that time, I didn't try to debunk it. But I, my interest at that time was science. 
Um, science was one of my favorite subjects in, um, in junior high school and high school. And then I went into uh, um, zoology and biology uh, courses when, when I attended university. So, but at university, I got David Wilkerson's book. So that book opened my mind to the fact that God is is not distant or impersonal, but He was someone who who could answer prayers, deliver people from lives of you know drugs and gangs, and and that really impressed me. So, yeah, that was the beginning. About wow. the paranormal, again, my brother was an influence. Uh, one day he told me. Um, he's passed away now, but one day he said, because he was interested in the UFO subject, and when you show a lot of interest in the UFO subject, the phenomena seems to pay attention to you. I mean, if some people try to make contact with aliens by putting out mental intent, uh, by using uh, meditation, by going to hot spots where uh, something can happen or they can see something, right? That's well, right. my brother one day said he was out in Mission, B.C. It's a small town, maybe about an hour from Vancouver. There's a Benedictine Abbey there. And he was at the Abbey grounds for some reason. Maybe he heard that this place was a, a hot spot. And sure enough, it is a hot spot because I have wow. a friend that lives in Mission. Uh, he's a Christian, and he has seen uh, lights and uh, an object that was glowing red over the Abbey. And then when I was at the mission uh, grounds a few years ago, I spoke to a photographer that lived in the mission area, and he was capturing UFOs over this 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 hill. There's an abbey on top of a hill, okay? But this land used to belong to Indians. That was probably one of their sacred places. It was a beautiful place. You know, today it has lawns, but there's a beautiful lookout of the Fraser Valley. And it could be, you know, um, you know, a sacred place for native people. But anyways, and there's other people that lived in the mission area that said, yeah, there's lights and beautiful activities in, around the city. So my brother once they said to me, he was at the Abbey grounds and a UFO landed Whoa. on the on the grounds. And this person wow. came out of the UFO. I, I should have asked him, well, what did he look like? But I think he didn't look. I think he, back. Um, for some uh, some encounters, it's just someone that looks human, but you know they're they're not human or something. They come out of the UFO, and this person invited my brother to go aboard the UFO and or have a look, you know, look around, or go on a ride. Wow! Fortunately for my brother, he didn't go. He was a bit <laughs> scared that this was happening to him, and he he turned it down. So he so he told me about it and. I was very skeptical. No way, no way that the UFO landed and something came, some person came out of it. But I just didn't believe them. Uh huh. That's before I did research on mission, and I knew. I, I, then I found out that yeah, it is a hot spot. There's a lake near Mission called Stave Lake. I was up there a couple of summers ago, and this lake is a place where go, people go RVing and camping by the lake. And I spoke to some of the campers up there. And RVers, and they said, I asked them, you know, are you seeing anything strange in the, near this lake? You know, any strange lights or and objects? And they said, yes, we are seeing what appears to be UFO activity over the lake. 
I, uh, oh, yeah, sorry, my wife was asking if I'm still using the, the iPad. Uh, and I said yes. Anyways, they said yes. Oh, they were seeing UFOs. There's Bigfoot creatures in the area. And I said, are there people disappearing? And he says, yeah, that's happening as well. Wow. And so I've been hearing that in around this area, there are people disappearing. There's people having UFO encounters. In the Fraser Valley, there's another uh, town nearby called, uh, across the river. It's called Aldergrove. And again, people out there have been seeing UFOs on their back porch. And a very recent case was um, a fellow I met. Uh, he's my friend now. His name is Chevy. He's part Aboriginal and part French. So he's Métis. But he he and his buddy were seeing UFOs out in Alder Grove. That was kind of south of Mission and the same kind of area. Uh-huh. And uh, they were recording UFOs up in the sky, uh, portals opening up, uh, sometimes UFOs going through the portal. And, um, yeah, they were both witnessing it and capturing it on, on their cameras. So I wow. said, you know, show me some of the photos. And then uh, I found out that his friend, Eric, who's been fascinated by what he's seen, has disappeared. Nobody knows what's happened to him. He, uh, he, uh, he was, I guess, maybe to the point where he wanted to make contact. Mm-hmm. And when you do that and you put out thoughts, <laughs> thoughts to the universe or to beings you think are aliens, you put out those thoughts and uh, these beings, uh, they know sometimes what your thoughts are. And, you know, I have a friend who who became an abductee. I, I met him after his abduction experiences. But when he was a young person, uh, he, he saw some UFOs at, above a power plant when he was playing hockey outside one winter with some friends. He was really fascinated by what he saw. And he said, wow, I got to know more about this. And his curiosity and his interest resulted in, it, in him being abducted. So wow. Chevy's friend has disappeared now. He's been wow. dis- he's gone. He's been gone for about a year and a half. Oh my goodness! And Chevy now he's watched. Uh, have you you've heard of Dr. Stephen Greer? Oh yeah. And some of his disclosure videos and the exopolitics, know, right? Yeah, he's kind of one of the fathers of the exopolitics movement. But my friend Chevy, who told me that about his friend disappearing said, oh, I was watching some stuff on Amazon Prime, you know, Stephen Greer's uh, talks and lectures. And he said, you know what? If a UFO lands or a mothership, I want to go in it. He he just said that after watching this show, (laughs) you know, on Amazon Prime. So um, I've I've said to some people that, that the UFO phenomena can act like a lure. What do I mean by that alert? Well, what do you use to catch fish with? Something shiny. <laughs> well, if you're going for salmon, and I've, I, I used to uh, crew on a uh, sport fishing boat in Hawaii, we would use things that were colorful and shiny, uh, things that look like squid uh, or, you know, but it's, it's the things that flash and shine that attracts the fish. Right, and it, it it could be a source of food. It could be a squid that is you know has bioluminescence or something. But in these certain colors uh, seem to attract certain fish, like tuna or uh, marlin. They go after 
uh, lures that are kind of reddish in color, sometimes with, uh, you know, a bright silver head. It's flashy. So the UFO phenomena seems to act like a lure. You see right. something up in the sky, you can't explain it. It's unbelievable. It can, you know, have different shapes, different colors. And so when people look at this stuff, they say, what is it? And, you know, what's inside, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyways, that has resulted in people getting abducted. That alone has uh, opened the door for contact experiences. Or, you know, watching a science fiction film about how people were being abducted and they say, gee, maybe it'd be kind of cool to meet an alien. Like I got a call on my hotline once from a, a woman named Brenda. And she told me that she was into Star Trek and science fiction. And I said, well, what else are you interested in? And she says she's involved with an exopolitics group in Vancouver. And they started something called Exo University. Oh, no. and, and I And I said, well, what do you do with, well, we get speakers to come up and speak uh, from states or elsewhere and give lectures and talks. And she she invited me to um, to come and attend. So. I did, I did attend, but before that, she told me what, what happened to her because she was a Star Trek fan, right? Uh huh. She thought it would be really cool to meet somebody like Spock or an alien <laughs> of some kind, right? That's yeah. what she said. And it would be really cool to meet an alien. And so I guess she put these thoughts out to the universe that she wanted to meet an alien. And she told me. Uh, and she sent me email uh, information about what happened to her. She said she was uh, in Tokyo and she wanted to have a date with somebody. And so she, she uh, you pay a little bit of money and then you, you can int be introduced to a, a variety of, of guys if you're a girl. And so she picked out this fellow that was from England. This fellow was supposed to be a British diplomat. And so they met that evening. And uh, remember the Matrix movie, the the fellow offers uh, Keanu Reeves uh, the two uh, pills. a blue pill and a red pill. Ah, uh -huh. yeah. Well, this this diplomat said, "Hey, uh, you know, I would I give you a choice. Would you like to drink something from the bottle that has uh, kind of a red raspberry color, or the other bottle that has blue, kind of a blueberry color?" Huh. And huh. she thought she thought that was kind of odd, so she chose the blueberry. I think he was just, you know, I think this fellow was into DMT or hallucinogenics, and I think he put some into the uh, to the drink that she drank. Anyways, yeah, under the influence of this DMT, uh, this fellow that looked normally human started to shapeshift oh, into yeah. a, a non-human form. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it was human looking still, but it was not exactly human anymore. And, oh. uh, and I said, well, then what happened? <laughs> anyway, she, she indicated there was intimacy uh, with this person uh -huh. before he shape shifted back into, uh, his normal human form. And that was the first time and last time he, she ever met this person. The last person, this, that last thing that this diplomat, if he was a diplomat, said to Brenda was, there's many people like us in England. Mm -hmm. That's about the last thing. And he never heard from this person again. I believe it. But 
she became pregnant. She was pregnant with, fortunately, the fetus miscarried. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, did it actually miscarry or did uh, she wake up one morning and it wasn't there anymore? No, she had all the signs of pregnancy, and I don't know if it just disappeared on its own. I should have asked her, you know, how do you know it was a miscarriage? Well, yeah. something came something came out of her uh, her womb, and I, I guess it it wasn't very well developed, and it died. I don't okay. know if this was in a hospital or or whatever. And sometimes when women have a miscarriage, it's in a hospital setting, right? Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah. um, so so anyways. That is an example of people, uh, people that call me. Uh huh. And wow. others are people that are like I got a call from a fellow. Uh, I think it was Saskatchewan, uh-huh. and he had moved on to some property um, out in the countryside. You know, maybe rented some some land for uh, to grow some food or something, and started a little farm. Anyways, he says since I've been in this house. I'm hearing all kinds of strange sounds and noises that are kind of scary and creepy. And he said, can you hear the sounds? And I said, yeah, I can hear the sounds too. <laughs> you know, I could hear these strange sounds that didn't sound human when he was describing it. And he was starting to really get freaked out. And all of a sudden the phone went dead. Oh, wow. And I couldn't, I didn't have his phone number. I couldn't call back. And then anyways, I got another call from someone very similar to this fellow saying the same thing. And this time I got his phone number. I said, you know, the phone might go dead. So give me your phone just in case it goes dead. And it did go dead. And I called him back. And again, he was hearing strange sounds uh, and creepy noises uh, that were scaring him. So the question is, why are there certain places like David Pilati says, Yosemite Valley, you know, Yosemite National Park or Mount Shasta. Why are these places, places where there's more paranormal phenomena than normal? You know, UFOs, Bigfoot creatures, little people, in Mount Shasta, there's beings from inside the volcano called uh, the Lemurians. Uh-huh. And uh, there was a TV series called National Park Secrets. And it dealt with places like Yosemite, Glacier National Park, where people were seeing UFOs, uh, Bigfoot uh, creatures were being sighted, and people were disappearing. So I did some research, because David Pilati didn't give a reason why these people are disappearing. It's just that they were disappearing, or having, you know, sometimes it would disappear just for a short time, and then it would, it would be, you know, returned. But they had no memories of what happened to them. It's like their memories were wiped out. It's like, what, what was it, a UFO abduction? What Did Bigfoot, you know, carry this person off or a child? Sometimes children are found 20 miles from where they're, they were last seen by their parents. These kids are only two or three years old. Something transported them from one location to another location. And some of these children are found later and they have no memory of what happened to them. So we're hearing more and more reports of people disappearing and here in British Columbia, there's an area called the Merritt Kamloops area. I have a friend named Nixon. He's a former nurse, um, and he quit nursing because he didn't want to have any more vaccines put into his body and to give vaccines to people. And he had many reasons why he didn't want to be vaccinated. Right. And he, I, I met him uh, doing background work in the film industry. But anyways, he said he and some friends were up in the Merritt area. That's up in the interior of BC. It's, 
it's a place where again this land was uh, Indian land at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, he said when they were camping, they saw lots of UFOs one evening above their campsite, and then they heard there were Bigfoot creatures in the area. Well, they didn't stay long enough to to have any other encounters. But uh, that area, it's like the center of a bullseye. There's a there's a UFO website, a Canadian website about uh, UFO hotspots in, Bank, in BC. And imagine a, uh, a bullseye. The center of the bullseye is this town called Merritt. Uh-huh. But around this town is a circle of places where there's other people, other paranormal phenomena happening as well, like Kamloops, which is a bit further south, maybe half an hour, hour south of, um, uh, of merit or North uh-huh. America. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, there's a fellow I met at the UFO meetup group. His name is James. And he says that the Kamloops area is a portal area. There's Bigfoot creatures up there. He can, he claims it, he's had telepathic encounters with these beings up there and, and down here uh, in a place called Deep Cove. And, uh, but he's had a lot of UFO sightings, and he said the Kamloops area is a place where he saw UFOs. And he also says there, there are uh, human-looking aliens that are coming into the town and interacting with people. And I said, well, what do they look like? And he said, well, I call them the benefactors. And he said, well, what, what's what's unusual about these benefactors? And he says, uh, some of them are extremely beautiful women, extremely beautiful. Remember Richard Dolan uh, heard about some contactee cases of uh, one in a church and one in a casino where people spotted these uh, people that looked a little bit different. They were like Scandinavian supermodels. <laughs> yeah, with the very, very, very blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah. Blonde hair, blue eyes, sometimes they, they even have blue clothing on, you know. But anyways, these beings appear to be extremely telepathic. Well, these benefactors, this fellow James has encountered uh, down here in the Fraser Valley and up in the Kamloops area. And I said, well, what are they telling you? What are, what are, what are they trying to, why did they choose you? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, uh, they said that there's going to be a time of a coming apocalypse to this world, a time of war, and and that they're choosing certain people to be able to escape with their health. Huh. And he he was promised that he was going to be given a key to portals, portals where he can escape through. Interesting. Uh, and it, and there's supposed to be portal. He has some friends that have gone down to the Shasta, Mount Shasta area. And there's there's various portals down there that he's aware of. There's portals uh-huh. again in the Kamloops Marin area. Well, UFO BC, it's a um, UFO uh, investigation organization. I've been to some of their meetings. And uh, anyways, uh, UFO BC heard about a lake near Kamloops. It's called Jaco Lake. If you go to the UFO BC website and type in incident at Jaco Lake. It deals with two fishermen that were fishing late at night on the lake. It's supposed to be a good lake for trout fishing. And they were fishing, uh, you know, uh, kind of in, into when it was getting a little darker and the stars were coming up. And then these two fishermen 
started to see orbs coming into the lake from the huh. trees near on the edge of the lake. Then they saw a UFO, a disc-shaped UFO show up over the lake. Huh. Then they saw a whole bunch of loons all of a sudden, these, you know, these aquatic birds on the lake that, you know, they, and then they all had missing, t- these two fishermen had missing time. Huh. But they were getting a bit freaked out by seeing the orbs and the UFOs. And then James said, yeah, near Jaco Lake, there's an, uh, there's a portal. There's Whoa. a portal very close to this lake. And I said, well, how far away? He said, uh, you know, like, like half a kilometer or something. But then there's a fella out in Langley, BC. Again, that's not far from Motor Grove. I was doing some uh, real estate photography for a friend. I took some pictures of his house. And he started talking to me about his interest in the Anunnaki. You oh, know? boy. Uh-huh. And, and, and he said he's a former, he was, uh, he was a, a Freemason at one time. And he joined the Masons because he wanted to find out what the secrets of the Masons were and that he could, you know, climb the social ladder or, you know, get ahead in certain the endeavors. Right. But he was told, well, well, the secret is that there are no secrets anymore. That's what he was told. And really? Then, and this, this Masonic group he was involved with, he was doing a lot of mundane things and charity things and drink, you know, drinking parties. <laughs> and it uh-huh. wasn't what he expected. So, but somehow he got interested in the Anunnaki and he said, have you heard about the Anunnaki and what do you, what do you think about it? So I said, yeah, uh, I've been doing some research about them. And I tried to say that these Anunnaki uh, were beings that were recorded by ancient Sumerians. They were worshipped as gods, and they had something to do with uh, allegedly some kind of genetic upgrade of the human rights, right? Right. To right. humans to, uh, you know, mine gold for them. I mean, uh-huh. I don't buy the whole story, but uh, have you heard of Michael Heisner? Michael Heiser? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an academic uh, Christian researcher, professor of linguistics, and he he's looked into this Anunnaki thing, and he, he's trying to debunk Zacharias Stitching's interpretations. Uh-huh. Uh, I think he would be leaning that these beings uh, that are uh, that were called uh, uh, called the uh, uh, Sumerian gods. Right. There are figurines of some of these uh, these um, these gods. And they do look reptilian. They have a reptilian, there's reptilian features about it. Uh-huh. But Heisner said that these little deities were found in places where people dump, throw their garbage, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he said, and I said, well, why did they do that? Maybe they were disappointed in these so-called gods. Well, I have a book. Uh, you've probably heard of it. It's called The, the Andreessen Affair. Oh, yeah. It's about a, a woman that had a Christian background, Betty Andreessen. This was uh, co-written by Raymond Fowler, who also had a Christian background. And when she was being visited by these entities, they said to her that they are the Watchers. Mm-hmm. They identified, they called themselves the Watchers. Uh-huh. Well, that is that is a clue. Well, what are the Watchers? They're, well, I, I corresponded with Raymond Fowler and said, well, the name Watchers is in the book in the book of Daniel. And sure enough, it is. Yeah. It's also mentioned a lot in the Book of Enoch. Extremely a lot, yeah. By, these watchers, by another name, were called the sons of God yeah. in the Old Testament in Genesis 6, right? Right, the Benai Elohim. Create, yeah, and they helped to create this Nephilim 
race of giants and men of renown. Mm-hmm. You know, back in right. the, uh, before pre- the flood pre- and flood. after the flood. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you research, um, my friend Ray Youngen, who's uh, who was a, a really good researcher about of New Age stuff, and then he was researching how another spirit, another Jesus, was coming into the church. He said he said something I never heard of before. He said the devil is in the details, and I said I said to myself, what does that mean? <laughs> and what it means, I believe, is uh-huh. if you look deep enough into the paranormal, into the UFO phenomena, you're going to see, you're going to run into entities that seem to have a fallen or demonic nature. Right. They, these, these entities lie a lot. They, they say, they say uh, things that, uh, you know, I've chosen you to be my prophet. You know, if you're an abductor or contactee, uh, I want you to start, write a book. I want you to start a new religion or something. And if you look at UFO religions and cults, it was started by people that were interested in UFOs or science fiction. And somehow they had a UFO encounter and the main contactee, um, or it could be an abductee becoming an uh, contactee. They become the leader of this, this religion or cult. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, we, we're, we're seeing it with the exopolitics movement. This is a worldwide movement in many different countries. They even have an exopolitics group in Hong Kong. They have an exopolitics group in Italy, in America, in Canada. Paul Hellier, our former defense minister, after having his UFO encounter, and people, he was invited to speak at uh, the University of Toronto at an exopolitics gathering there. And so people that have had UFO sightings, if they get if they get too curious about the phenomena and they put out thoughts that they want to make contact or they want to know more about the subject, well, they often have people come to them or debrief them or or invite them to a, a conference or and then they get deeper and deeper into this 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 movement. Where, uh, yeah, if you go to a UFO conference right now, it's not just scientific research and scientific evidence for, for UFOs, you know, that you can measure and, and use scientific um, means to, to discover if it's real or not. Many of these uh, new UFO conferences are contact conferences now, like contact in the desert. Right. There's people there like Stephen Greer and others, uh, James Gillian, they will teach you the protocols on how to make contact. Mm-hmm. So as more and more people make contact around the world, some of these be- people are being drawn into a worldwide, uh, you know, kind of a web of deception. <laughs> web of deception. And it was actually portrayed in a, in a TV series that I worked on up here in Vancouver. It was called the 4400. Oh, yeah, I remember that show. We always wondered why it was taken off the air. Well, it ran for four seasons, but I saw all the episodes because I worked on the show and I was curious about it. Again, it dealt with about 4,400 people that were abducted. They disappeared. Right. When they returned, they started to start a movement uh, that gained more and more followers. Right. And this movement was led by a fellow who was a very wealthy, you know, 
millionaire or billionaire or somebody. He became the leader of this movement and he became the Messiah figure. Mm-hmm. And they were, so other people that heard about this group were saying, Hey, well, you know, how can I join? <laughs> because you guys have special powers now. You have telekinetic powers. You have telepathic abilities. You can heal people. You can, you know, you have powers that, uh, you know, like this Messiah fellow, some, some, some person tried to assassinate and kill this guy with, uh, with a sniper rifle and he was able to raise himself from the dead. Yeah. And so yeah. as more and more people Ooh. were heard about this movement, they said, I want to join too. And they said, well, you can join as well, but we need to give you some of something that's in us through a vaccination or, or something. We have to give it to you. The uh-huh. DNA that's part of our makeup now has to be part of your makeup. And once we give you this by a vaccination or whatever, or an injection, you will start to develop these powers as well. And so more and more people wanted to, you know, join this movement. And they took over, if you did, saw the whole series, they right. take over the whole city of Seattle. The whole city of Seattle falls to this cult. Everybody's uh-huh. getting converted. Police yeah. officers, military people, um, people that would not normally join the UFO movement or cult movement. And they take over the whole city of, yeah, that's their... Mm-hmm. That at first they just owned a little part of, and they had a little part of Seattle, but then as they won more and more followers, they took over the whole city. And before the episode ended, this cult or this movement wanted to take over the whole world. Right, right. So if you look at the Exopolis movement alone, you see the potential for a worldwide UFO, um, I guess, cult i call it a cult but it, sure. it's a movement that has spiritual teaching in it uh-huh. spiritual philosophy mm. and this philosophy is very new age there there's they talk about uh this concept of oneness they call right. they talk about this idea that you need a genetic upgrade for humanity so humanity can uh, create what they called the galactic federation or the federation well, that- that puts a whole new spin on this COVID-19 vaccine, doesn't it? Or the possibility, anyway. Yeah. In the future, if if you can get some kind of, you know, Nephilim DNA into people, you know, uh-huh. or, uh, and that can change that person. There's a woman I was in correspondence with. Her name is Mary Rodwell. She's a former nurse and midwife, and she was a Reiki master, so she was getting involved with New Age stuff. My friend Ray said, in order to become a Reiki master, you have to acquire the spirit guides of the Reiki movement. And so, but this, the spirit guides gave her an openness to the UFO phenomenon because she was getting patients and people coming to her and saying, you know, I've had something strange happen to me. I was abducted, I think, by aliens or something abducted me. And now, you know, now uh, if it's a woman, the woman says, I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a child growing in me. And then the children are born. And these children, as they become teenagers, they have all these special powers, just like the 4400. They have telekinetic, uh-huh. telepathic abilities. They can heal people. They, they can step on a piece of newspaper and read the, the newsprint. Uh-huh. <laughs> just they, they can see that they, they have all these special powers and abilities. So... The, these TV shows like Star Trek, 
uh, it's setting people up for a, a concept of, of, yeah, some kind of federation that we can all join. Uh, I've heard recently at a Zoom meeting in the UFO meetup group, there's a fellow named Jeff. He is an abductee and now a contactee. I was told by Brian, one of the main hosts of the, show, of the Zoom meeting, and one of the former um, main organizers, but then he, he, he's now an assistant organizer, that Jeff has this uh, kind of special ancestry. He has a slightly elongated skull. Huh. Okay. He claims to have some kind of ancestry that is hybrid. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And he's not the only person I've met that has that type of ancestry. He's been uh, on the UFO Meetup uh, YouTube channel. He is giving all these talks and interviews about him being taken to different planets, that the aliens want him to write a book. Uh-huh. He wants to give more lectures about what the spirituality of these beings are. It's a concept of oneness. It's a, uh, that humankind, in order to evolve, need the help of these aliens who have a genetic upgrade. And then he says, then when humankind is ready, or, you know, if we're the, you know, we're the chosen ones, we can be part of this thing called the Federation. Uh huh. Uh huh. Now, we, in Star Trek, where did Gene Roddenberry get the idea for the Federation. Well, according to ancient aliens, he was part of, uh, of the channel, uh, channeling sessions that uh, there was a Dr. Putoff that invited people to hear. Uh, there was women that were mediums uh, the, to these aliens, um, and they represented this Federation. And so, so for many, many sessions, Gene Rodberry was sitting in on these channel messages were godlike aliens that were called a nine, were channeling all this information through these women. And some of the ideas, like, like the number nine, uh, the Federation idea that humans uh-huh. can work with, uh, with aliens and there can be, you know, human hybrid aliens like Spock and others that, you know, we can work together and explore, the, you know, the galaxy. <laughs> I mean, huh. it's a very appealing idea. Yeah. Yeah, of course uh, it is. That, and so, but it's setting the stage for a worldwide uh, uh, movement uh, that will help to usher in what the prophecies say about the end times. Jesus said, many will come in my name, cl- claiming be the Christ. Uh-huh. There are many abductees now claiming to meet another Jesus aboard UFOs, who's not the Jesus, uh, the Jesus uh, revealed in Scripture. He's right. a Jesus that has Nordic and Pleiadian characteristics. He, he, he could have blonde hair, blue eyes, and, he, you know, he's called by various names. Sananda is one of his names. Right. Uh, Billy Meyer called him Emmanuel. But uh, Carla Turner, was uh, she was abducted herself. She wrote a book called Taken. She interviewed a number of women that were meeting this other Jesus aboard uh-huh. UFOs. Uh-huh. And then Valiant Thor claims that Jesus is Jesus is a special guest of their council meetings. Yep. And, the cosmic and the Christ. Team, well, he's like a cosmic Christ, but he's strangely very silent. Mm-hmm. There's a woman named Betty Bonnie Meyer. She's a Christian 
And one day, um, uh, no, she had a friend who uh, was getting into this UFO thing, and she was kind of worried that her friend might be deceived by something. And so she uh, went to a UFO conference to find out more about the UFO subject. But on her way home, she was driving her car, and again, she sees a UFO in front of her land on the road. And something comes out, and, and out of curiosity, she just thought, she thought, wow, a UFO is in front of me, and a person has come up, just like what happened to my brother. Well, I wonder what's inside the UFO. That's all she thought. And all of a sudden, she was inside. Really? Inside the UFO. And then she was introduced. She wrote a book about this. Uh, and her Christian faith has changed since this encounter. She was taken aboard this smaller UFO at first. She was introduced to a woman who was a spiritual teacher in this UFO who happened to look like a female version of Spock. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's no, no, said. I believe you. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Bonnie said this woman, this alien woman hybrid said to her, well, did you know, you know, we're aware of, you know, your Christian religion and so on. But, you know, there's a lot of things that have been removed from your Bible, you know. And and she said, well, well like what? <laughs> and she said, reincarnation. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Reincarnation. Something uh, that certain, certain churches or church councils didn't want to be part of religion, part of it. And he said, well, and we're hearing this from some contactees and abductees that these so-called aliens of different kinds, they have the ability to help humankind reincarnate. To re they say that we we can recycle your souls. We can, you know, we can, yeah. They promote the concept of reincarnation. Now, why would they want to do that? Mm -hmm. Because reincarnation does not need a messiah or savior. That's right. You save yourself. You don't. You don't need a redeemer. Yeah. You 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 have to work out the the bad karma in your life. Uh, or uh, in the next life, or in countless lives, before uh -huh. you reach some state of uh, some state of enlightenment, nirvana, right? Well, yeah. there, there's or new agers that say, with the help of certain spirit guides and aliens, they don't have to. They can reach enlightenment a lot faster. They don't need to have millions of lifetimes <laughs> before they reach enlightenment. They say that with their help. We can reach the state of oneness, enlightenment. Uh, someone said enlightenment is like a drop of water dropping into the ocean of oneness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you kind of disappear into this oneness, but you're part of this one. Well, this concept of oneness is uh, is is behind the philosophy of Spinoza, who is in, you know, I don't know, he picked up some New Age right? but oneness is at the at the heart of the New Age movement. Uh -huh. uh, Ray Youngman said there's a movement now that they can impart this sense of oneness just by the laying of, on of hands. And there's people in the Catholic Church that can have joined this oneness movement. There's people of other religions joining this movement. But they can impart a sense of oneness by just mere laying on of hands and touching you. And then you can pass it on to other people. I have a book in front of me written by... Uh, a former missionary who's passed away now, George A. Birch. George A. Birch uh, was a missionary in China and in Borneo. Uh -huh. And 
in the villages and the people in the towns where they were trying to share the gospel, there were people that said, hey, we have friends and people that are demonized or possessed. Can you help these people? And so these these people from the village said, please help my friend. He seems to be crazy and possessed. And so these missionaries had to look up the scriptures how to help these people because they, they were not experienced uh, uh-huh. in deliverance. And so they looked up all the scriptures in the Old and New, uh, New Testament, especially about how to uh, deliver them. And they were told, you have to do it in the name of Jesus Christ or right. Jesus of Nazareth. You cannot just say in the name of Jesus mm-hmm. and because they tried just using the name of Jesus and that didn't work. And that remember Jim Williams said that some of the abductees or people that are getting abducted, they say in the name of Jesus and the, the entity still abduct them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when they learn to, to, to understand who Jesus really is, the Jesus of of scripture and the Jesus of history, um, that he is not just a rabbi. He's right. not just some spiritual guru or, or magician or, or, or somebody. He is someone who represents the triune person of God. He is the visible image of the invisible God. So his name identifies who he is. He's not just Jesus, uh, of, 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 of like if you go to Mexico, there's a lot of people named Jesus. Yeah. Go, go to the Philippines. There's people there named Jesus. <laughs> you know. Yeah, Jesus. that's right. <laughs> so you can't use the name of Jesus to cast out demons, or and so that's what the missionaries had to learn. But then yeah. when George Birch came back to Vancouver and retired, people heard that you know somehow that he had this deliverance ministry. Well, guess who felt they were demonized that were coming to him? Not New Agers usually. It was people in the church. Yeah. There was people in the church that were getting demonized and they were coming to him and the demons spoke out of these, uh, these people that were so-called, uh, believers. Mm-hmm. And, and George says, well, you know, what Jesus do you represent? Uh-huh. He said, you know, if you're, a, if you're a spirit and this person thought he was receiving the Holy Spirit in the church, and some of these entities would say, I'm the Jesus of Satan. Oh, gee. Well, the Apostle Paul warned the church about another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. Well, how can that come into, uh, come into a church and into leaders in a church? Well, one way that George, George Birch found out can happen is that if you are going to a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I, I, I went to a church that, um, a few years ago. It was a church I used to go to when I was younger. I was giving it another chance. And there was a fellow from England that came, and he was supposed to be a prophet. They, they built him as a prophet. And so he said he was, you know, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. But he said... I couldn't stop speaking for half an hour. Uh-huh. And I said, that's a, I said to myself, that's a red flag. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy uh-huh. Spirit, the Spirit does not cause you to lose self-control and your tongue speaking for half an hour without, without stopping. But he said he went to a Catholic church trying to share the Spirit of God with people in this Catholic 
uh, school or church. And when he preached, the spirit was poured out on these people. Well, they didn't even hear the gospel yet. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. And, and, hmm. so, and so I, so if another spirit can come into a church, uh, I went to another church with a friend that was haunted. There was a haunted Baptist church in Vancouver. And we went to check it out why it was haunted. Well, we found out that the basement of the church where the hauntings were, you know, strange sounds were being heard by people upstairs, a pastor and the, and the secretary. Uh, I found out, well, what is this building, you know, basement used for? Oh, and they said, well, some of the members of our, our congregation are Freemasons. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. And they use the basement for some of their uh, Masonic gatherings. Mm-hmm. Well, that could explain how the how the the place got haunted. Definitely. Getting yeah. back to, I'm sorry for jumping around, but getting back to Yosemite, I did some research on why so many people are disappearing and why uh, many people have accidents or disappear and missing time and stuff. There's been UFO activity sighted in that park. There's been Bigfoot creatures sighted in the park. There are buildings and Motel, hotels and campsites that are haunted. Well, I did some history. I did a search and uh, research about the history of Yosemite. This valley used to belong to uh, Aboriginal Indians. It was their their happy hunting ground. They could they could hunt, they could fish, they were happy until the American government saw this land and said, "Well, well, yeah, it's a great place." place. But we like it too. <laughs> uh-huh. And so they, they force these native people to, to, um, relocate. But the Indians, they said, we don't want to relocate. <laughs> this yeah. is where we, we're happy. And so uh-huh. the, uh, the military or the militia was brought in to kill the, the Indians. Uh-huh. And so, so the Indians chief was killed. Well, well, the, some of this culture is shamanistic. They have medicine men and shamans, and the chief sometimes is like uh, he's acts like a shaman. So he put a curse on the whole park. He, I mean, on the the whole valley. He said, "Okay, you're gonna steal, kill my people. You'll steal our land." And okay, well, then you're gonna suffer the curse. Uh huh. In the Bible, it sense. talks about places that are cursed. In the Book of Revelations, it talks. Uh, about Babylon, uh, you know, and it says, come out of, uh, you, know, you know, my people come out of her because this place called Babylon, what it represents is some type of Babylonian, you know, maybe world system or religion in, in the last days. Mm-hmm. But it says that Babylon in the Old Testament and the New Testament is a place, a, a habitation of devils in every foul spirit. Right. It says that in, in the book of Isaiah. And it says owls, owls and satyrs and things in the Old Testament would haunt these cursed places. Well, why were these places cursed in the Old Testament? It was a place of of idolatry and human sacrifice and horrible things happened to people that caused these places to be cursed. Yeah, that's right. That could explain why there are certain places, certain properties, certain uh, cities, certain locations like Skinwalker Ranch, where lots of paranormal stuff is happening. This land somehow has come under a curse yeah. because of the sins of so the sins of the people that coveted this land or killed people or 
And uh, yeah, I, so there is, there is such a thing. If you look at the Old Testament, I think it's in uh, Deuteronomy. There's a list of blessings and curses there. 28. 27 and 28. More, there's a lot more curses than our blessings. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it, uh, so when people start to stray away from God, they worship idols, they start to sacrifice to idols, they start to kill their neighbors, kill their, their, their own people. And well, that's going to create places on earth that are cursed. Mm-hmm. And those cursed places are paranormal hotspots today. That's, my, that's 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 my own conclusion. <laughs> so no, no, that's very true. That's very true. You know, um, Oregon mm-hmm. is uh, known for being a state where a lot of uh, there are a lot of Bigfoot sightings. And um, a matter of fact, uh, a couple of years ago, when I went out to go somewhere, I looked down at the ground. In the snow, there was a, a quite a large footprint in the snow. I took a picture of it, as a matter of fact. And um, so I got a feeling that, you know, the times that the dogs go barking at the door and there's nothing there, yeah, you know, there probably is something there. Um, we've, we've got a little uh, terrier dog that uh, he's like a ghostbuster. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've lived in the places where he's uh, went and charged the door, uh, actually barking at the door like, like, you know, he was trying to get to something to kill it, sounded like. And um, you open up the door, there's nothing there. But, you know, at the same time, when you're approaching the door, you get that creepy feeling, you know, that uh, goes up and down your spine like there, there's yeah. an entity there, you know. And well, uh, so, you know, we, we, we just started praying right away and it went away and, and, and the rest of the night. But, you know, one of the things I wanted to bring up, Gordy, with uh, I don't want to, you know, cut in too much, but um, – one of the uh, one of the things that I discovered, where uh, I was shown, I, I guess I should say, because on myself I'm nothing, but um, is that the uh, the founders of the land, you know, they the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, they all use the term uh, man, mankind, and people. Okay, and if you look at the word people, it, it is strictly designated for mankind. It is not. It is not meant to be for animals or anything, but mankind. And if you look at the exopolitics nowadays, um, and even in the um, in the regular uh, culture, um, we're 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 being formed into what's called individuals. Yeah. Now anybody can be an individual. A tree out in my yard can be an individual because it's all by itself. Um, you know. Uh, you know, any person, any entity that you can think of can be an individual. So now the whole thing is moving the world towards everybody's an individual. We're not people anymore. We're individuals. And that's, I think that is going to be one of the keys that they use to use our own legislation against us, especially when they're talking about, um, down here in the States, they're talking about, you've probably heard of illegal aliens, people rushing the border and coming over. Um, you'll never hear them regarded to as people. They're individuals. If you ever read anything okay. in the press and, and I'm like, okay. So, um, to me, it's like they're getting us prepared for the ultimate, um, um, illegal alien, uh, invasion, so to speak, you know, yeah. and what we got to realize is what you said is that they're already here and, um, you know, they, they're already, they can manifest, you know, like you said, you were talking about that shapeshifter and that, that lady earlier on, 
you yeah. know, and um, and so I, I I believe that a lot of the politicians are are shapeshifters, but what do I know? You know, that's just a belief. But um, anyway, they they would not naturally work themselves into positions of high power where they could have dominion over regular people. I mean, real people <laughs> uh, like me and you, you know, the three of us. Um, mm-hmm. So um, anyway, and you know, you talk about uh, I don't. I want to hear the what both of you have to say about this, but uh, uh, I'm going to give you a, an example. Um, when I used to live in Sacramento, my my window of uh, my living room used to point kind of towards the south and east, and that's where Mather Air Force Base was. Well, it wasn't an Air Force Base anymore, so to speak. I think they still use it as one. But anyway, um, if I was watching TV, which is within, was in the corner right by that window, out of the corner of my eye, I could actually see what looked like they were blackened figures, but like UFOs rising up from the area of where that Air Force base was. I kid oh. you not. God is my witness. This is the truth. And so, but it was always out of the peripheral of my eye. When you look at things right on, you usually don't see them. But out of the peripheral, is I I do believe that we're able to see the spiritual out of the peripheral because it kind of bypasses um, some kind of filter that God has put in there to keep us from seeing all the junk that's really out there that we can't see when we're looking straight on. So anyway, having said that, I'll leave you leave it to you two guys, and we can. It's interesting you brought that up, Doug. Um, yeah, there are people that see uh, what are beings um, that are called shadow beings, uh-huh. and some. They're, they're just on the peripheral. They're just, you know, you can't see them directly sometimes. But they're, uh, I have a friend, and he used to live in the, in, in Kitsilano, uh, part of Vancouver. I, I was property managing a building there too for many years and caretaking. And the building I was in was haunted, and that building that he lived in was haunted. And he said he saw shadow beings in his, uh, in his apartment. Uh, with glowing red eyes, he uh-huh. said he saw a little UFO in his bedroom, and you know, like described in the movie, batteries not included. Yeah, yeah, I can. I just what I pictured. And, and then he said <laughs> yeah. he saw orbs of different colors. Now, some people are able to see these things, uh, not some, uh, not just at the peripheral edge of their vision, but they can see them. But this was happening so much, he got fed up with it, and he said. This is like Grand Central Station for these entities, and he wanted to get out of there, and he moved to another place in West Vancouver across the water, and it all stopped. Nothing happened. They didn't huh. follow him. But I was property managing a building in the, in the same area. This area used to belong to Indians. Mm-hmm. There was a band of Indians that had a chief called Kitsilano or something, Kitsilano. But anyway, so... I found out that a lot of the land in this part of Vancouver used to belong to the Indians. Again, it was their happy hunting, their their happy hunting ground, or their, where they catch fish, or where they had their villages. But they were forced off this land. They were forced to relocate. And so, this part of Kitsilano, there's a lot of paranormal activity sometimes reported and hauntings in Kits. I found out the land um, that my the building I was property managed uh, was was Indian land, and that possibly it was a burial ground. Because it was oh, on the my hillside. goodness. It was not right by the water. The Indians uh-huh. lived it was up on the hillside. And and so uh, we were. Uh, I had tenants in my building reporting 
like uh, one kid on the fourth floor said some demon-like entity appeared in his bedroom. Then he saw some other type of entity pop up again. And then uh, on the third floor, there was a woman and her boyfriend. She said some spirit uh, uh, locked her in her bathroom. She couldn't get out and then attacked her boyfriend. And then uh, we used to have fire alarms going off in the middle of the night around around three or four o'clock in the morning. Wow. Uh, it happened so frequently and there was no fire. I had to run through the whole building looking for smoke and stuff and I had to shut off the alarms. But it happened so many times that I thought, well, why is it happening at this time? You know? Mm-hmm. Anyways, I, uh, have you seen the movie The Fourth Kind? Yeah. Yeah, but up in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Remember mm-hmm. it started to get crazy around 333? Yeah, exactly. And at 333, all of a sudden, you know, people are getting abductions, seeing owls and things. Well, 333 times 2 is 666. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the devil's in the details. Uh-huh. You know, it's, uh, I think it. they call it the haunting hour. That's what they call it. It's a time when somebody's uh, fallen entities are very active. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they manifest in different ways. But there's sh- many of these entities are shapeshifters. If they want to look human, they can look very human. Uh, they can actually appear to be solid. Uh, like uh, they don't, you know, angels in the Bible are described as, you know, they can walk among us. They can eat food. They can, they can, uh, you know, they, 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 they can leave a physical imprint in the environment. Well, these right. a- beings that we call aliens, which I don't think are really aliens. They're masquerading as aliens. They have the, the, the abilities of of angels that are fallen. They have the ability to manifest physically. They can shapeshift. Uh, it says Satan can appear in many forms and can appear as a being of light. Mm-hmm. There are abductees that I've met that said the beings that appeared to them were glowing. Okay? And they didn't look like devils or demons at all. They, you know, if the devil comes to you looking like the typical devil of horns and a pitchfork, and with red skin, most people would freak out. <laughs> Go running, yeah, not listen to him. <laughs> so, but if he comes like a wolf in sheep's clothing, <laughs> yeah, if he looks, he looks like a holy man or a prophet or uh, someone you know wearing the cloaks and the, the beard and lifestyle. Uh, the, he looked like Jesus. Well, people might warm up to that that kind of manifestation. Yeah. And so, but some of these modern uh, abduction experiences, uh, there's an intimacy to it, and uh, there's women that are bearing children, and I don't know if the, how many of these children are in this world right now, but uh, according to David Jacobs, who's interviewed over 700, he's a former history professor who was researching the UFO abduction phenomena. He wrote a book called The Threat. I read that book, and he says many of these abductees are being told that there's going to be some kind of future governance to the planet. It's called the change. It sounds right. like this idea of the Federation. When this uh, governance comes into place, and I believe it could be some kind of human hybrid um, type of government, human hybrid alien type of government. I don't think, I don't like to use alien because I don't think it's alien. Right. When this, as, according to Jacobs, when this comes into being on Earth, Anyone who doesn't cooperate with this agenda, this this uh, the governance agenda, there's no future for them. That's right. what abductees are being told. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I have a I have a former friend who's passed away now. He's a former uh, post office worker who's a who's a Jewish background. His name is Lauren Goldfader. He uh, he was a UFO researcher. That's to begin with. Right. But he got too close to the phenomena. He was starting to interview abductees and and stuff, but he was not a Christian. He didn't have any protection from God. And he went to a talk with Stephen Greer at SFU, Simon Fraser University. Stephen Greer was allowed to speak there. And he learned the protocols, how to make contact. Huh. And so he, he modified the pro- protocols using a turntable of strobe lights, which you would go to a UFO hotspot, like in North Shore Mountains, like Cypress Bowl or someplace. And he would, he would use these symbols uh, and, and the light from the strobe to flash them up into the sky. And sure enough, uh, UFO started to show up and he got abducted. Huh. And they said, hmm. well, I said, well, where did, where, what happened to you then when you got abducted? He said he was taken to an underground base in Europe and in the country of Switzerland. And I said, well, is this something that's good? <laughs> you know? And yeah. he said, well, I think I've been chosen to be a healer. He said, you know, they're choosing me for some special purpose to be a healer. And I said, well, that sounds okay. And it, and I said, well, what evidence do you have that you're one of the chosen ones or that you're, you've been chosen? And he came to my place and we had a black light, you know, an ultraviolet light. Right. When we scanned his body, we could see marks on his body that were not visible without the UV light. That makes sense. I mean, uh-huh. there was some, some of these marks on his body – to me, it just looked like bruises, you know. But on some abductees, there are geometric shapes, triangles, um, geometric patterns that don't look accidental. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, Daryl Sims was a UFO researcher in the States that noticed this, this uh, that some of these abductees have a mark on their body that shows on their, up on their UV, UV light as well. Really? So anyways, so I lost touch with uh, Lorne. After about 15 years, I, I knew somebody that knew him, and I was able to get another phone uh, phone number. And I called him up, and I said, well, Lord, I haven't spoken to you for almost, you know, 10, 15 years. Well, what's happened? What are, you know, are you still having these abduction experiences? And he said, yes, but it's not going well. He says, there's poltergeist activity in my apartment. The entities are abducting people in my neighborhood now. Oh, They're taking boy. these people to uh, various underground bases, and and he was getting really paranoid. And he was saying, "They're after me," kind of like. And I said, "Well, what if you don't want to cooperate?" And they said, "Well, they have implants in my body." And I said, "Well, what happens if you don't cooperate?" He, he said, "The implants release viruses into my body, which can alter my DNA and cause me physical and mental anguish and pain." Wow. And I said, well, well, what are you doing to protect yourself? And he says, yeah. I'm tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> He's putting tinfoil not only is on his head, because he thinks he can block the telepathic um, you know, stuff that's coming to him. And uh-huh. then he's, 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 wearing a, he's putting it on his body now and under his coat and stuff. And then he's buying a bunch of electronic gadgets. He thinks... We'll get rid of these entities, and they don't work. Oh, <laughs> and my goodness. he was uh, super paranoid. And then when I was talking to him on the phone, 
He said, the, anti- the, uh, the aliens want me to get off the phone. Huh. And, I, and I said, uh, okay, because uh, I wanted to talk to him some more. But the entities, uh, uh, I said, are you able to see these entities sometimes? He said, well, most of the time they're invisible now. They don't, they don't, they, I can't see them, but I can hear them. And they're telling uh-huh. me to get off the phone. So anyways, he hangs up the phone. And then I tried to call him again later. And he had, he had, um, yeah, he, um, he cut off his phone line. Oh my so goodness. Nobody, so nobody was able to find out what happened to him. He has disappeared. Nobody came to his, nobody heard about his funeral, his memorial, or anything. Huh. Now, and he's just disappeared. This has happened to another fellow, the founder of UFOBC. He was a, he was a fellow from England, was a British officer, a police officer at one time. He yeah. had UFO sightings, and he was a, one of Canada's West Coast uh, uh, top UFO researchers. He started UFOBC. Before he died, he said he said to some of the members of UFOBC and to me that he thinks he's been he's been abducted now. And I said, Well, how do you know you're an abductee now? He says there are some marks on my body, some body on my 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 foot or my leg. Uh huh. I didn't have a chance to examine these marks, and neither, but it could have been some strange mark like what happened to Lorne. But I, you know, but anyways, shortly after that, he died. Really? He, he, he acquired, he was pretty healthy last time I spoke to him when he was alive. And everybody was surprised that he picked up because, uh, he picked up a, a, a form of meningitis. And his meningitis was very active in his body, and he died very shortly after it. Dr. Carla Turner says that some of the abductees are getting probes. There are things that are being put into their body. Sometimes they're asked to eat certain things, drink certain things. And um, they, some of these abductees do not know what's, well, what, you know what's being put in their body. And why, why are these implants put in their body? And right. so these implants have an ability possibly to alter human DNA. They, you know, uh, Ellie Marzulli uh, had a chance to interview um, Dr. Roger Lear before he died, and he had removed about 16 of these implants from abductees' bodies right. after surgery. And these implants, uh, sometimes they gave, give off a radio signal. They can yeah. move within, within the body. And Lord says they can release viruses if he doesn't cooperate. Now, huh. does this sound, does this sound like this federation that's coming is something wonderful? <laughs> well, I thought the original federation in Star Trek was supposed to leave society alone, <laughs> you know, not interfere in its in its internal affairs. Mm-hmm. Well, as you've watched uh, more episodes and newer ep- um, shows of Star Trek, these entities, like the Q Continuum, they remind me of the Nine. They're godlike aliens that are tricksters, right? They just like to fool around and play around with people's minds and alter their realities. So right. and then you run into, you know, beings that are not so easy to fight off anymore. And uh-huh. so I have a friend who's a real Star Trek fan. He's a UFO researcher. He says the new Star Trek shows are horrible. He says they're not like the early shows where, you know, everybody's getting along and the Federation is cool. Now there's infighting in the Federation. There's evil aliens infiltrating the Federation. There's, there's just, it's just, he says, I don't even like watching these shows anymore. And well, then maybe. the number nine, the number nine shows up a lot, uh, in Star Trek, some episodes, shows. 
Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Where did I was going to say where that? Where did you get the number nine from? And you know, nine major mm-hmm. crew members on on the on the spaceship or something. It goes back to the channel sessions that um, that Gene Roddenberry sat in on. He got some inspiration for Star Trek uh, scripts and ideas uh, for that show. And there's almost no mention of 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 God in Star Trek. If there is a God, he's an alien, you know, at yeah. the center of the galaxy, and he wants the spaceship. So they said, well, that can't be God. Yeah, that was <laughs> one of the God, movies. Yeah. <laughs> why would God need our spaceship? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there was only one uh, uh, Star Trek that I can remember. It was in the original series, and they went to a planet where uh, there was like kind of like a modern Roman Empire and it was uh, persecuting people, killing them, and they couldn't figure out why. Well, anyway, they went back up to the ship, and they, they had fixed something. I can't remember what it was on the planet. And they went up back up to the ship, and Spock says, I can't figure out why they would such an advanced culture would worship the sun. Right. And, and Ahura turns around and she says, you guys, you guys just don't get it. They're not talking about the sun up in the sky. They're talking about the son of God. Yeah, I thought that was really cool that there was some Christian content. Yeah, yeah wow. and one one episode out of maybe ten thousand. <laughs> yeah, and remember the other planet where they they land or this uh, big hand stops the Star Trek. Uh, oh yeah, Adonis. Yeah, and then they go down. Yeah, and there's the god Apollo, and he wants yeah. worshippers again. And but he's a you know he's some kind of a uh, alien that uh, takes on a godlike appearance and he can make himself like 20, 30 feet tall. Uh-huh. But again, uh, this idea that, you know, uh, the, the gods of ancient people were just ancient astronauts. I mean, that theme is in Star Trek sometimes too. So yeah. there's a lot of science fiction that can condition people to accept some type of you know, some type of idea of a federation or something where humans and aliens can collaborate to create, um, you know, some kind of future for mankind. It's very, very appealing. Mm-hmm. But what if it's all deception? Sure, sure. You know, and um, earlier, I'm sorry, um, but earlier you had mentioned uh, that the the enemy comes into churches. And I wanted to interface with Brian about that because I know that he used to um, lay hands on people and stuff and pray for people. That um, and and Brian, so you know, first of all, did you see it a lot in the leadership, um, or was it was it just in lay people that went to the church? And second of all, um, I don't think you were very well received in those places um, for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, um, I think Gordy uh, might want to uh, walk away with some of the, the knowledge that you have about that. You know, um, would you like to share? Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, and Gordy, thank you for being here tonight. It's really, really interesting. I'm trying to remember everything you say and write it down, but it's so much. Um, it just, you know, what you're talking about and what good. You know, what it is, is that there's nothing new under the sun. And if you want to know what tomorrow is going to be, look at yesterday. And that goes with world history, our government history, just everything. Man is a creature of habit and deception uh, without the Lord. And yes. as you were speaking, I'm thinking about this, the aliens and all these 
the shape shifters and all this. And, and, you know, like, like before World War II, there was a big, huge propaganda coming out of Germany and the, the political and spiritual atmosphere of that country was changing for the worst. And before wars break out, there's usually a lot of propaganda, a lot of manipulation in the governments of the people that are going to be going to war. And eventually, at some point, a war starts, a physical war. And I think it's, spiritually, it's the same way. The shapeshifters, the aliens, the greys, the Nephilim, uh, Sasquatch, um, these uh, these giants, uh, the Kandahar, Kandahar giant that was shot uh, 15 years ago in Afghanistan. I don't know if you guys know about that. You probably uh-huh. do. Yes. Uh, and, and so we know this stuff is real. Uh, it used to be conspiracies, but there's just too much evidence, too many people seeing UFOs and these things. It's like it's all shifting now to where we're seeing more and more of this because there's a day coming called the day of the Lord. The Lord's coming back and, and he's going to set everything straight, but he says the world's going to go a certain direction in Matthew 24. And I believe all this stuff that you're talking about is part of that. And going back to your question day for me, um, in as far as deliverance, which is still demonic deliverance. Um, that's all part of it too. It's all kind of ties together. Everything you got the the aliens over here and the Nephilim, and you got the Bigfoot, and you got shapeshifters, and it all ties together that God is allowing these things that are unseen, some of it, to be more visible. So when the world finally is in chaos, uh, the Antichrist is going to use some of these things to bring credibility to himself. Because if people are shape-shifting now, what's he going to be doing when he's got the full power of Satan inside of himself? So, you know what I mean? So, saying that, with the church, uh, we're not immune from this stuff. People think once you're saved, you you know, your life, you know, there's the whole movement of um, prosperity. You know, give your ties to the church and you're going to get rich. Or, you know, you can do these five things and your life will be perfect for the Lord. Just do these five things. It doesn't really say that in Scripture. What it does say, it says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy strength, and all thy might. That's what the Scripture says. And you do that, then that's the best thing you can do to bless your life as a Christian. And so what happens in the church, you get a bunch of people who get saved. Uh, like I got saved in the Jesus movement in the early 70s. And, um, but you, uh, you get, it's like this. The Lord comes into your heart when you get saved, and he goes into the innermost part of your being, which you would say would be the Holy of Holies. But the outer courts, those demonic beings or influences that were inside the Holy of Holies have been kicked out because the Holy Spirit's there now. He's not going to be He's not going to be there with them. So they get kicked out. Some of them are kicked out of the body completely when you're saved, but some still are in the outer courts, the flesh. Uh, your physical body uh, inside, not in where your soul and your spirit are one with the Lord. So when the spirit started moving in our church, I was actually against my brother. Uh, he was the pastor. I I was I, I was like I grew up a very conservative Baptist. Um, it wasn't a Baptist church, but it was very conservative, and it didn't believe in the power of the gifts. It didn't believe in prophecy and all these things. And I saw this stuff happening. It didn't match up to what, what I knew. 
I thought the scripture said about certain things. So I started getting very upset with my brother. I actually, uh, the night I went to confront him about it, I was going to not confront him, but talk to him about it. I talked to him on the phone, but it just, I had more questions. That night we had an elders meeting, there was five of us, and he started talking about it. We had this meeting, and I, I kind of like, hey, Matt, what about this? What about that? And I wasn't 100% convinced. And because how can a Christian have a demonic force in them if they're saved? And I, to this point, I was saved. I got saved in, uh, when did I get saved? Early 70s, um, 73 or 4, something like that. And I'm sitting there listening to this, and it just didn't make sense. And we had a time of prayer at the end of the meeting, and I raised my hand. I wanted prayer. And he goes, what do you want prayer for? He goes, I don't know. I just know I need prayer. I can't remember specifically what it was. So they started praying for me. And this is my own personal testimony of how I know what I'm saying is real. Because I've been saved for decades up to this point. Uh, let's see, this happened in 94, and I got saved in 74, so 20, 20 years. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and all of a sudden, um, they're praying for me that God had just touched my heart. There was no, like, you know, like you see, like a Benny Hinn thing. There was nothing like that. Very, very respectful, just praying for my needs. Hey, you know, bless our brother. Da, da, da. And I'm, I'm just standing there with my eyes closed. And the next thing I hear is somebody catch him. No, what was it? I can't hold him up anymore. He's too heavy. And they lay me on the ground. And I guess I was on my heels at a 45-degree angle, stiff as a board. They were holding me up like a piece of, piece of plywood hmm. and for 10 minutes. And I didn't even know it. I thought I was standing vertical. And they lay me on the ground, on the floor. Dave's heard this. And the joy of the Lord just came over me. I, I, that's all I could say. I just felt happy. Yes. And I just felt, I felt at peace. I started laughing and giggling. And, and, and I go, why? I even told him, my brother, I, I go, I, there's nothing funny. Why am I laughing? I actually, he said, that's the Lord. He's the joy of the Lord is your strength. And, and I, and I thought, okay. And then he prayed that God would just, uh, just fill me more with the spirit. And when he said that, all of a sudden I got this pain in my stomach, in my abdomen, just this like, like my appendix burst and just excruciating pain, a pain like of a 10. And he goes, well, that's not God. My brother said that. And we spent the next three hours and I got delivered and I felt them come out uh, of my body one at a time. They would come out. And we were, just so the audience knows, this was brand new to my church, to my brother, brand spanking new. I didn't go there to get this done. I grew up as a Baptist, basically very conservative. And there's nothing against the Baptists. They're awesome brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, and uh, I learned the word there very, very well. And so after about three hours and 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 I was done. And during that time, the best way to describe this is like the old Roadrunner Bugs Bunny cartoon. And they have a couple episodes where I, I think it's Daffy Duck and you got the devil on one shoulder and you got the angel on the other telling him to do what's right. And yeah. then you know, the devil, you've seen that cartoon. Oh, yeah. Lot of the yeah. I've seen it too. That's exactly what my deliverance was like. I had two set of voices and I was caught in the middle between two arguing entities. 
And it wasn't really much of an argument because on the good side, it was just all power and light. And you knew, you knew that that one was the way to go. The uh-huh. other side was, was a bunch of lies and filthy talk. You know, you, you hate this, you hate that. Just all, all the things that people think when they go through their life, especially as you get older, regrets and you get resentment from a bad relationships and all that kind of stuff. That side was bringing all that just garbage. And the other side was going, Hey, you're a believer. The Lord loves you, Brian. He's got a great life for you. It was all encouraging. And if anybody ever wants to know what God's will for your life, it's not resentment and anger and depression. It's love and joy and peace. That's how you know it's God. Yes. And so that's the battle that went on for three hours. And it went on for three hours because we didn't know what we were doing. It was all new. Now it would take 20 minutes. And, um, and the gifts were used and things were revealed to me that I didn't remember when I was four years old. And, and these strongholds were just taken out. And, and it was just, I, I went to bed and I went to bed laughing, I think. And just, I, I slept so good. I felt like I had run a marathon though. I was exhausted physically and emotionally. And I just, and that's when I started prophesying. That's when my gift finally came out was that time because the junk was out of the way and the, the, the speaker and the megaphone were cleaned of the dust. Right. So, and so this whole thing, the reason I'm bringing this up is God usually starts with the leadership and he did. I didn't ask for this. And then, then another leader and another leader and another leader. And then it went into the congregation and it wasn't just, and then and Satan tried to get in there and bring people in because they heard about it was happening and tried to pollute it. But it's, it, it didn't, it stayed pretty safe and pretty pure for a long time. And, um, but you always get people in there to try to take advantage. And, um, the reason, the way you can tell if God delivers somebody and if it's real and if the gifts are moving and if it's real, the best way you can tell is does it change them? Right. Do, are they changed? And you, you see them after that. Are they a different person? And it's like being saved. When you first get saved, it's like you, 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 all you want to do is read your Bible and go to church and pray and worship. And the deliverance is the same way when you're done being delivered. If, if it's really the Lord, you don't return to those things that put you there in the first place. And all you want is to pray and worship and read your Bible. You can't get enough of the Lord. It's like trying to get water after being out in the desert for six months. You just want more water and you don't care how you get it. You, that's what you want. And so I say that because with all these other opposite side, you have fallen angels. You've got these Nephilim. You've got, uh, you know, um, secret black op uh, programs by the government with UFOs that we've probably built. Um, and, you know, reverse engineer, we have all this other stuff. I call it the dark stuff because it's not really good. But at the same time, God's moving in the church. Yes. And if we if we want to live in these dark times and COVID is a dark time, then and this goes for me. I'm not just this isn't I'm not on my I, I struggle like everybody else. It's COVID has been tough. Mm-hmm. But the only way we're going to get through it is we need more of him and less of us. Right. And one of my, one of my best favorite Bible verses was John the Baptist. He's baptizing in the Jordan. His disciples see Jesus is approaching and say, hey, that's Jesus of Nazareth. You know, hey, you know, they're basically like almost 
saying to Jesus, you know, he's baptizing more than you, John, almost like a competition. And, G- and John says, I must decrease and he must increase. Amen. And, and that, and that's where it's at, you know, put all politics aside, all the church, different denominations. If you're a true believer in your heart, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and you believe that, then you're a, you're like a John the Baptist. You must decrease. If you want to get rid of your depression, you got to get rid of yourself. It's in the way of that depression. You know, you, and I'm not putting people down to get depressed. I've been depressed, but um, Jesus can remove that depression. He can, and he will. And, and actually in the scriptures, Jesus was depressed the night he was going to be betrayed. He was, he was not happy what he was. He knew it was coming. He knew he was going to do it, but he, he even said, I don't have to do this. I don't want to do this, God, but he did it. And, you know, just, Sweat like tears coming. He was stressed out, but he obeyed the Father, and now he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and he's coming back to take us home. So, if he wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't be where we're at tonight. That's right. And so, I I I say this because there's so much demonic and so much darkness. But if you go into a dark room that's the size of a stadium and you turn on a little light, you can see. You, I don't care how dark that room is, one little match, everybody can see you. You can be seen. Mm-hmm. So the light is way more powerful than the dark. We forget yes. that. We forget that with all the politics going on with these governors and our lockdowns and, and these tyrants doing this stuff to us, they're not in control. God's in control. The Father's in control. And there's a plan. And his plan is going to be... Uh, finished. And I believe what's happening with the UFOs, I know Tucker Carlson on Fox is more and more talking about UFOs. Yes, he is. He even said he wants to spend the whole week, if not a month on it. And so if he's, I don't know his heart with the Lord, he may be a Christian. I have no idea. He's a good man. But if he sees it, then, and we've seen it way longer than he has, it's real. Yes. And so, um, Saying that is the church, I'm speaking to believers and people who who want to know the truth. If you don't know the Lord, ask the Lord in your heart, and you'll really see what's really going on in this world. And it's not that the world's out of control. It's that God is manipulating these circumstances to get us ready to be with him. And there's God's always got a plan. He always finishes his plan. And at the end of his plan... God's people always are better off. And it's just the way it is. And, and this alien thing I, I've noticed is increasing more and more. It's more and more in the news. Uh, I hear it even on the local news here in uh, Los Angeles County in yeah. California. And so things are amping up. And these shapeshifters, I, you know, I, you mentioned the verse um, that, um, be careful who you entertain. You could even be entertaining an angel. Well, that's taking the shape of a human. That angel took the shape of a physical person. And during that time, it was happening so much that, hey, be careful who you bring in your house. You might be entertaining an angel. Be, be careful with how you're treating that person. So mm-hmm. in the same way, on the opposite end, demons can do the same thing. And they could take the shape of anything they want. Their power compared to us at this moment, 
until we get to heaven is far beyond our strength without the Lord. Right. So they can take the shape of spaceships, of physical objects, of animals. Uh, they can manipulate time and space. They have this unique gift of the powers that is still allowed to the, for them. But they're just allowed to do this. They don't realize that they're being used by God as pawns mm-hmm. to to prepare the end time banquet table that we're going to be feasting at in heaven. That's right. So, you know, and so just um, I've me- I meet more and more people out on the you know, I'm out shopping, my COVID shopping, air quote, that <laughs> are really afraid right now. I've never met so many people that are in fear of the virus. They're in fear of losing their job. They're in yeah. fear, like, is this going to keep going on? Yeah. And and I, I've been afraid a little bit here and there, just especially in the beginning of all this. But now it's it's time for the church and the churches to open up, to quit hindering the worship of God. Uh, God told Moses to take the people out in the wilderness so they can worship at the mountain. Pharaoh went and let them go because I hear people say we've got to obey the government. You obey the government until they go against God's laws. Right. And, and you know, and there's God has got a law. If they start violating that, then you got to make a choice. And I would say to pastors and believers out there, if your church won't let you meet, then meet in your homes. That's how it started because um, that's the enemy's plan in these last days is to shut us up uh, because it's getting close. And um, these these things that are happening all over the place now the I mean, I see UFOs up the coast of California here. I, I can see them out in the ocean over the coast. I'm, I'm only a block from the water. And at night, you go out there, you can see, and they're not airplanes because LAX is 30, 20 miles from us, and you can tell what an airplane looks like. But right. When things are moving, when, when you see an object all of a sudden go left to right in the, in the moment, just a moment, and back up and go up and down, that's not an airplane. No. And, and I see them out here all the time. And I, I'm not sure if it was you, Dave, who told me this, but between um, Catalina Islands and the coast of California, there's an underwater base. Yeah, there's a dumb base out there. Yeah, yeah and that's where a lot of this activity is at. They're all over. And um, and so it's just, it's just, you know, we're living in the last times. And I know there's different views on that, but... The, the the view everybody agrees to that God is coming back, Jesus is coming back, is going to set up a kingdom, and that's the final plan. And boy, I, I what twenty twenty has been like. I, what's twenty twenty one going to be like? Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know if it's going to be better or worse. I don't think it's going to get better. I, and the reason I say that, folks, is because the scripture says things are going to get a little bit worse as it gets closer. To the yes. scriptures, and if you want to know where I'm coming from, Matthew 24 talks about that. Right. And so just go there and you can see the progression. And I mean, I used to teach this stuff, and earthquakes have increased hundreds and hundreds of percent in like the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and Gordy, I'm glad you're on, and what you're saying is just hitting home. And uh, it's it doesn't surprise me all the things that you've seen, and uh, you know whether it's a demon in a believer that needs to be cast out or a demon in an unsaved person. The common thing is it's a filthy spirit, 
And the only way to overcome these spirits is with the power of God. And it's with mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit being in a person or the Holy Spirit working through a person like you, Gory, to be able to shed light and free that person up. And what you do is probably one of the most important things a believer can be doing right now. Because well, literally, you're on the front lines of a um, spiritual thing. Well, we, we, all Christians have a calling from God. Uh, when Jesus said to Peter and the disciples, um, I'll make you fishers of men. I think that applies to all Christians. We all have a calling to share the Great Commission. And mm-hmm. when we try to fulfill that calling with God's help, then the, the, the Christian life is more interesting. It's more uh, fulfilling. Uh, it's yeah. like there's a lot of churches that don't even study Bible prophecy anymore and they don't even, they don't, they, they haven't, they're, they don't have any, um, uh, let's say they have, uh, very little, uh, teaching on discernment, apologetics, and how to share the faith with people that are caught up in, you know, all kinds of new age and paranormal stuff. Um, some of the, some of the top apologists are former new agers that become Christians. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a fellow named Steve um, Bankrats or something, and he's a former new ager, but he was brought up in a Christian home, but then he, you know, then he, left, uh, he fell away from that. But his mother kept praying for him and he eventually fell, saw through all the, the deception and now he's, he's like an apostle Paul and he's trying to reach out to other new agers. So God can use all of us if we make ourselves available. Uh, I, I see, some, no, I play some chess. Uh, chess is one of my favorite games and I, I, I heard some teaching once that, um, the world is like a chi- giant chess game, but God is going to always win. <laughs> I mean, the devil may have his pieces in, you know, his agenda, but um, no, God is going to win in the very end. But we want to be pieces on that on that chessboard where we choose to follow what God wants us to do. I mean, if we try to do things in our own strength and our own ability, we're not going to we're going to fail. We have to do. Jesus said he's the vine. We're the branches. We can't do anything for him without his help. And. And that's one of the secrets that uh, some some great men and women of God have discovered. Like Francis Schaeffer, I, I spent some time uh, studying apologetics and other things at Labrie. But he said, you know, God didn't choose me because I'm a great intellect or something. You know, he was pretty smart. But he said that uh, God chose him because he, he was willing to learn how to be completely dependent on Christ and not in his own strength. He needed the help of the Holy Spirit. He had to, had to understand what the scriptures taught. And so then when he was dependent on Christ moment by moment, Hudson Taylor, who started the China Inland Mission, he wrote an, uh, a thing in his biography or uh, called The Exchange Life. And again, he had to learn to be completely dependent on Christ because we can't do the Lord's work without the Lord's help. <laughs> That's right. And, and, and the glory goes to God when yeah. anything happens. It's not, you know, it's it's just that we have to be available. We have to be, uh, you know, some of us might even be upon sacrifice, you know, in the last days. But others will be able to be alive until his coming. And, and now I'm really excited about what's happening in Israel with this move of God among young people and, and yeah. uh, rabbis and scientists. They have a YouTube channel called OneForIsrael.org. 
And it's exciting to hear that God is moving among his people. And many of these young people are really excited about, about Yeshua. And they're sharing it. And despite persecution and difficulties, uh, they are really on fire. But they, they know they have a calling from God, not just to be, you know, not just to be content about being saved, but to share this God, this good news with everybody in Israel. So that's all, that's a calling we all have. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, uh, without, without some calling from God, you know, our life can be, uh, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, I'm sure you can attend church and hear sermons, but what are you going to do with the knowledge you have? You know, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, in science, we talk about applied science. When we learn something, how do we apply it? You know, right. Uh, not just entertain a bunch of theories but how do we apply what we learn and so what we learn from the scriptures from the spirit of god and this and the scriptures never contradict the spirit and the spirit doesn't contradict us uh, the, yeah. the, the spirit and the, and the two work together they don't contradict each other exactly right. and uh and once we understand what is the will of god more and so now none of us know it perfectly but when we are in the will of god we can start to see some fruit we can see right. life change. We can see our, some change in our own lives where, you know, we're becoming more sanctified. But again, it all goes to, to the glory of God. We can't sanctify ourselves. Yeah. And that's, yeah. what, you know, so, so it's with his help, we can uh, have further sanctification and then we can have uh, the power we need to share the gospel. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dave. Yeah. Um, oh, can I add one more thing? Is that be okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, Gord, you mentioned earlier, Gordy, about Yosemite and about the curse that was put on Yosemite. Yeah. And 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 it reminded me how, and this goes, uh, well, you could have things in your home that have curses on them, and you don't even realize that you have them there. Yes. And um and like like items like you, you just just stuff and and it brings a bunch. All it brings is just like a it's like honey to bees. It just brings all this turmoil into your house and it reminded me i grew up on a cattle ranch in uh, the bay area of california in contra costa county and it was a working cattle ranch and it had an old farmhouse on it on a hill that overlooked a small valley that's now a golf course and when my dad got that place in the early 50s he tore the original farmhouse down and built a one-story ranch style house and um I remember growing up and I hear, and we, and I have a large family, nine brothers and sisters in this huge house. And at night, I remember hearing doors shut and people walking, but everybody's asleep. Yeah. And I always remember being in total fear in my bedroom, even though I was in my bedroom with two other brothers and other beds. And we found out later that, um, that the house was built on top of an Indian burial ground. And, that it was a high point of the valley where they would, you know, bury, bury their dead. And um, the house years later, after I grew up and I was an adult many years into my adult life, the house was sold and we no longer owned it. And but um, my family we used to go up because it was nobody was living there. A large company bought it for a piece of land to bring space between the public and a oil refinery and it was like a buffer land it was probably uh, at that time about 80 acres 
And so my nephew and uh, my nieces went up there one day just to look. They hiked up the road and the grass is all overgrown. And they looked and in the, uh, the window facing the yard when you drive up is the kitchen. And they looked and they saw a man in there eating at a table uh, with the light on in the kitchen. Well, that sounds, okay, that's weird because it's supposed to be vacant. But the problem is there's no electricity and there's no kitchen table. Whoa. It was vacant. It was cleaned out. And they realized what they were looking at and they freaked out and took off. Yeah. And, and, and so it's real. It's so real. And it says in the scriptures things that you, I'm going to paraphrase Brian paraphrasing here, things you don't see or more real than the things you actually see and more eternal. They'll be there forever. And so it was a demonic. And when you mentioned earlier about Yosemite, it reminded me that that house is built on an Indian burial ground. And actually some skulls were found near there when they were building the golf course of Indians that had passed away and given to the Berkeley Museum in California years ago. Huh. And so, and, um, so just, it just, uh, it just reminded me because you said that about the curses and I'm thinking, uh, there's people who bring Ouija boards in their house because they think it's a fun game or, yeah. And, or it could be anything. It could just, it could be anything. And, and, uh, I know of a person who has some stuff in their house and they got rid of it. Not all their problems went away, but they started, their life started going a little better. You know, they were believers. They had some things they shouldn't have had in their house. They got rid of them and yeah. their life started getting back on track. Mm-hmm. And so as believers, we're really held by the Lord to a higher calling. And when you talked about all those things, it reminded me because we really got to be careful what we let in our house and what we let in our life. You're right. Well, in the book of Acts, remember that when the believers uh, became believers, when the people became believers and they were former pagans, they they brought their books of magic and, you know, uh, idols and they burnt them. They they, uh, they forsake these. We have to forsake some of our idols from the past especially objects that uh, have anything to do with, you know, spiritualism or the occult or, um, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, a few years ago, um, maybe it was like 2007. I, uh, I took a trip down to Mexico, down to Mexico city and, um, went with a friend, uh, well, she was later my fiance, but, um, to a place uh, called Tepeltzland. It's hard to say. <laughs> a lot of those places in Mexico, it's hard to pronounce their name. But anyway, um, it's a little village, and it's known for its UFO activities. Well, where we were staying, you could look down on the whole town, and uh, and you could look down on this one street. And every, I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, they had a bazaar there. <laughs> And you could go there and buy local art and stuff and things that the natives had made and, or just the regular, you know, Mexican people had made. And, um, so I found uh, a few of these, um, paintings and they look kind of innocuous and, and they, um, they were uh, just the farmers tending their fields and stuff like that. And they were painted on the back of, uh, the bark of a certain tree that grows down there. 
Well, anyway, I didn't think about it. I, I bought them because, you know, they didn't have any demonic symbols. There was no face in the sun or anything, you know, and stuff. And um, so I I brought them back, and um, I was staying at a hotel um, probably about 20 minutes from where my future wife was uh, living. And uh, I was laying in bed watching the only other English language, only English language television station there. And uh, all of a sudden, the bottom of my bed lifted up and fell to the floor. And oh. I, I said, oh, okay, well, you know, this is Mexico City. They have lots of earthquakes here. That's probably was one of them. And I uh, didn't think anything about it. And, um, and it happened a second night. And I said, okay, this is getting kind of suspicious. But I didn't put two and two together yet. So, um, you know, the, my trip ended and I head home and, uh, <clears throat> I put the stuff out on the uh, kitchen ca- cabinet or excuse me, t- t- countertop. That's what I'm thinking of. And, uh, and I went to bed. Well, that night my, my, the foot of my bed lifted up three times and dropped. And I went, okay, now I know what's going on. And I went in there and then, and I said, you know, Lord, I, I said, I'm kind of disappointed because I spent some, you know, I didn't spend a lot of money on these things, but I'd really like to keep them. And and so what I did is I laid my hands on them and I said, you know, you whatever's on this or in this or whatever, I said, you've got no power here. This is a Christian household. You know, I believe in Yeshua. I said, and you're going to be harmed more than me if you stay here. I said, so you might as well come out of these things and leave right now and, and, and go to the dark places. You know, I, I want nothing to do with you. And, and you know, I went into this whole prayer and, um, it never happened again. Uh, now, you know, if some people would argue, yeah, you still should have thrown them out, but you know, I kept them. But anyway, um, and I've heard of stories about people who have had visitors come into their house and maybe slip, a a CD into their CD collection that they didn't know about at first, you know, and things started happening and then they started going through their house and found out, Hey, I never owned this CD. How did it get here? And they threw the CD out and and the problem stopped. And, um, you know, so we have to watch out for a lot of things we bring into our house. Um, I know that a lot of times we go shopping at, uh, uh Goodwill or St. Vinnie de Paul and, um, you know, while, while the things are in a basket, I'm muttering a prayer under my breath. You know, Lord, if there's anything on these things, I pray right now in the name of Yeshua that they disappear and they, you know, they won't, uh, affect our household. Um, or, you know, just buying anything used, even new stuff now they can put, um, you know, they can put hexes on or whatever you want to call them, curses or, um, so it's anything that comes in your house should really be prayed for. And if you buy a new house, it should be prayed for. And I know, Brian, that you uh, experienced a lot of interesting things when you tore yeah. apart a house and rebuilt it. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Something yeah. that... Yeah, it's a... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm done. No, it's a house, a house I bought in, uh, in Oregon, uh, I think around 2005, we bought a 115-year-old farmhouse that was built in 1891. I remember correctly, I could be wrong, Barbara would know. I think we were the second or third family to live in it uh-huh. in my, all that time. And um, the person had lived there before. The house had been vacant for 30 years. He, I think he was a believer or, or a pastor or something. Anyway, something happened. And he just left the house. And so when they finally went in and got the house, 
it was the way it was for 30 years. It was just a cup of coffee and the paper was sitting there. And so uh, I remodeled this house, and I think it was my nephew. It might have been uh, Clinton. Um, my nephew um, took pictures of the inside and the outside of the house, and one of them was on the outside from the street looking up. And in the picture, at first you don't see it, but then you look and goes. You look at the window. It's the double hung old wooden windows in those houses they put in single pane, and you see this man staring out at you through the window. He's, you know, <laughs> it's fairly tall because his head's toward the top of the window. Uh-huh. And then you look. There's another man or a young boy standing below him, looking at you. And then you look closer, and there's four people looking through this window at you. But the problem is that the house is vacant. Uh huh. And nobody in the house. Right. But them. Uh huh. You know? And um, so, yeah, we had to, we, once we prayed over the house, we went to every room, like you said, Dave, to clean the house. And we anointed every doorway to every room, prayed over the whole house. We had like minded people to pray with us because you want like minded people to do that with you. And I don't remember having any more problems with that. And, uh, I remember, I think we took pictures on the inside, if I'm going by memory, and I remember seeing little orbs of light everywhere, right, and they were right. on. And so, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> people say, you know, oh, ghosts, or whatever you want to call them, aren't real. They are real. Just as angels are real, so are demons, and and so are the Nephilim, and so are these other things. And uh, And I was shocked because I could see it in the picture. And yeah. you can see them staring at us. They're like, oh, no, you're not going to buy this house, are you? Uh-huh. It's like they didn't want us to move in. <laughs> it's like they knew we were believers and didn't want us to move in. But we moved in, and they had to move out. Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. and uh, real quick, uh, oh, 25 years ago, we went to Hearst Castle, and I took pictures of Hearst Castle, um, Randolph Hearst in California, it's a big tourist. And a lot of the rooms in the castle are dark. Even with the lights on, it's just dark and gloomy. When right. I got the pictures back, you could see orbs everywhere in that place. Oh, it I believe it. In, oh, yeah, infested like termites. And they were coming out of lights and coming out of pots and furniture. And uh, so it's, um, yeah, we, we, we live in a, a fallen world. But thank the Lord that the Lord is in control and he's going to win this at the end. And until then, um, consider it all joy, no matter what happens in your life. James chapter one. So um, the Lord is in control and we, should, we shouldn't be in fear. We should be excited. Yeah, he's these, about entities, to uh, these entities yeah. do feed on people's fears. And so, yeah, um, yeah, we should remember that with the Lord being our shepherd, we don't have to walk in fear and darkness. That's right. In our weakness, he is strong, right? Yeah, his grace right. is sufficient even in our in our weakness. Right. Well, we're coming on about a two-hour mark, Gordy, and I promise you that we were going to give you a chance to give you out your information, and maybe it would be a good time to do that. And um, I, I would like to have you on again just so we could uh, talk about more stuff, you know, and uh, if, if you're okay with that, we'll, we'll set yeah, up a time. Sure. Yeah, Lord willing, I'd love to, uh, uh, you know, share again. And uh, we're learning from each other. You know, that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. So the eye cannot say to the ear, I don't need you. <laughs> you that's know, right. And, and uh, nobody right. knows everything about prophecy and, uh, and discernment. So 
that's how the body of Christ can grow if we listen to each other. Uh, some churches don't even study prophecy or scriptures or deal with discernment. I don't know why they don't, but there are churches that are involved with the purpose-driven movement uh, in, in Vancouver. And when somebody said, oh, can we study prophecy? They're told, no, no, you're not supposed to because it's too controversial or that's not what, you know, the pastors and elders. So there are, there is a problem when the church becomes too um, authoritarian or cultic where, uh, yeah, you can't question what is being taught sometimes and people don't listen to people that have discernment or don't want. Yeah, well, we can't just throw away uh, 25% of scripture if it's prophetic material because yeah. it's it's hard to understand. Um, right. But there are churches that don't want people to study prophecy or study this, uh, the scriptures dealing with discernment. So, you know, and it's, uh, I hope that maybe as the church, uh, you know, is not allowed to meet so much in big buildings and and um, and um, mega churches. Maybe we can back, get back to what the early church was like, and just meet in smaller numbers in our homes. There's a lot of and, truth in that statement. Yeah, yeah, that's happening in England right now. So many people are not allowed to go to church, so in small numbers they're meeting in their homes, and this is happening in Canada too. Uh, so. Um, and it, it might be a, this time it could be a time when the church with all its, you know, the worldly baggage is going to be uh, purified a bit more under persecution and more difficult times. So that can be a, in one sense, it could be a good thing if it brings more sanctification uh, to, to, the, to the body of Christ. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Persecution yeah. has never hurt the church. It's always made it stronger. Yes. And yeah. I think persecution is coming. I think there's, uh, the, the Bible does promise uh, that we will have tribulation uh, in this world, but fear not, you know, he's with us. And he, he says he'll be with us to the end of the world. That's um, right. Or as long as he, he has some work for us, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be here until yeah. We, yeah. we finish what we were supposed to do. Yeah, he overcame the world, so he'll help us to overcome the world too. So Yeah, so... As far as contact information, I can give you my phone number. Um, I don't use my cell phone that much, so they, my phone number is 604-255-4399. I'm home most of the time now. I don't have a full-time job anymore. Uh, and so I'm, yeah, okay. uh, I'm available most of the time on that phone, 604-255-4399. If they need okay. to uh, message me, uh, they can message me on my cell phone, 604 802 1362. So, yeah, well. Uh, do you have a website you. still? Do you have a website still, Gordy? Uh, no. Okay. I don't have a website. Uh, that's my own website. Um, at one time, uh, uh, a friend and I did have a website for a con- for discernment and uh, and reformation uh, subjects, but then, you know, uh, that was after a conference, and uh, my, my my friend took down the website. So I don't have a website. Okay. So the best way to contact me is by the phone numbers and my email address. Uh, do you have my email address? It's Noah's Dove something. I can't remember. Yeah, Noah Dove seven 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 at gmail dot com. Well, you Noah. can't forget that one. <laughs> yeah, no, like Noah Dove then seven 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 at gmail dot com, and so people can email me or call, and uh, 
Also, um, you know, uh, later I can get uh, Brian's number or contact information. So if there's some people down down in the states in in, in Los Angeles that needs counseling, yeah, I can pass those people on to you or in in Oregon with David with you, David. So okay, well, uh, yeah, that'd you know. be great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're all part of the body of Christ, and we need to uh, work as a team. You know. That's uh, right. In football. And in chess, you have to have a good offense and a good defense. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you have to have a good coach and, uh, and good players. And then, yeah, if you do, you have more chances of winning the, uh, you know, the championship. And I, I think in life, we do have to be sensitive to the word of God, the Holy Spirit, the Lordship of Christ in our lives. And, uh, yeah, if we know how to uh, use the armor of God, and and some of the armor is not just offensive but defensive. Uh, yeah, we can yeah we can um, survive some of the things that are coming and some of the some of the difficulties uh, Christians will be challenged with. We'll survive until he takes us out. That's yeah. right. When we're when, like as the Apostle Paul says, when his race is finished and he's done what he what God wanted him to do, well maybe that's the time for him to be with the Lord. That's and right. Some of us will be alive at the coming of Christ, and others may not be able to escape captivity or persecution. But you know, yeah. Uh, uh, if we have to, if we have to sacrifice our lives, uh, well, and there's no other way to escape than, like the Apostle Paul was willing to go to his death. Uh, when, yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, there's a movie I recommend. It's called Paul, the Apostle of Christ. It's about the, pers- the church in Rome under persecution. Oh, okay. And the, the actor that was in The Passion of the Christ plays St. Luke. It's a wonderful, a wonderful film about what Christians had to face under persecution under Nero. Paul, the and Apostle some were able to escape that persecution and others were not able to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, good deal. All right. Well, Gordy, I want to thank you for being on. Brian, I want to thank you. As always, you're faithful and true. And uh, I just, uh, this was a great show. I really enjoyed tonight's show. And I really enjoyed talking with you, Gordy, all the time. And you too, Brian. And um, yeah, we'll have to get together and do this again real soon. Yeah, we should have fellowship again and do something again like this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Okay. Well, good night, both of you. And uh, the Lord's hey, blessings night, to you. David, and we'll, we'll keep in touch. Okay, good night, Gordy. Good night. Good night. Good night, guys. Good night, guys. Good night.